Welcome to the Perfume Making Podcast with me, Karen Gilbert. This month, one of the things that I'm really focusing on with my brand new materials mastery course is deep diving into the materials that are used in perfumery and how to get started. So I thought I would do a couple of episodes on materials for the podcast too. So before we get stuck in, if you would like to join me for materials mastery, just click the link in the show notes. We start the live round one time only on the 24th of February. And if you are listening after that date, the on-demand course will be available at the same link. So in today's episode, we will look at some of the classic ingredients that are used in perfumery. And then in the next episode, we're going to explore some of the more modern ingredients that are used as well. So today I want to look at four materials that are really among my favorites. They're all naturals and they will have synthetic counterparts in perfumery. And as I talk about these notes, I'll also explain where in a lot of cases they are actually replaced with synthetics in modern perfumes. But then naturals in my opinion really are the place to start for any perfume maker at least to understand their true profiles when you start out. Now I could do an entire episode on each of these materials so I'm just going to touch on a few aspects. I really want to give you a high level of all four and if you like at the end of this episode if you really want to experience them for yourself and how they interact go create an accord with just these four materials and see how you get on. We're going to look at a few things. So we're going to look at the history of these materials in perfumery. I'm going to talk about their usage, um, both in the past and in modern perfume making. Also talk about a few fragrances that you'll probably have heard of that contain these materials. So let's get started. So let's start with one of my favorite materials, and that is the gorgeous, citrusy, fresh, slightly floral ingredient that gives Earl Grey tea its distinctive flavor. Can you guess what that is? Yep, that material is bergamot. It originates from the Calabria region in Italy and really has been a staple in perfumery since the 18th century. It's uplifting and its scent makes the perfect opening note, setting the stage for deeper and more complex aromas. It's used as a top note in many fragrances, including the classic eau de cologne type scents. Next, we will talk about the queen of flowers, rose. So rose is revered for its lush romantic aroma and has been a symbol of love and beauty across many different cultures. And I'm sure many of you listening to this podcast know that it takes about four tons of roses, which is approximately 1.6 million blossoms to produce just one kilo of rose oil. And this is why it's considered very precious and is hugely expensive. Of course, it's been used by perfumers for centuries, but the journey of rose in perfumery can really be traced back to ancient Persia, where they were first distilled. And it really does have this ability to convey deep emotional narratives that have made it a real favorite for many different fragrance types. Next up, we have jasmine. Jasmine is one of those scents that many people absolutely adore and other people really dislike. It's quite a polarizing scent. If it's smelt just in isolation, it can be very animalic and indolic, sometimes giving off an aroma, I think, a bit diesel a bit kind of gasoline-y. 
Um, but it does form part of many different floral fragrances. So jasmine is really celebrated for its intoxicating aroma and its sensuous fragrance. And often it's called the king of flowers. The two most used species in perfumery are jasmine grandiflorum and jasmine sambac. Jasmine sambac comes from eastern India and the southern Himalayas. It's also found in China. Jasmine grandiflorum comes from northern India. And today the jasmine flower is cultivated in many different countries, um, India, Egypt, Morocco, Italy and France. The process of extracting jasmine oil is really intricate and labour intensive. It used to be produced by enfleurage where the petals are laid out over fat, which absorbs the scent. But that process is just not very cost effective. And because the delicate petals are damaged by the heat needed for distillation, the petals are solvent extracted nowadays to produce what we would call jasmine absolute. And finally, we will talk about sandalwood. Sandalwood is one of my all-time favorites, and it's an oil that I wear just on its own without blending with anything else. There are some amazing, rich, creamy, warm, skin-like sandalwoods, and there are also some spicy sandalwoods as well. Sandalwood has been prized for well over 4,000 years and originates from the forests of India. Um, and it's not only been a cornerstone in perfumery, but also in cultural and spiritual practices too. The unique scent of sandalwood comes from the oil in the heartwood of the tree, which can take decades to fully develop. And the most famous sandalwood is, of course, Santalum album or Mysore sandalwood. But in 2010, the cutting down of those trees was prohibited in India and intensive consumption of sandalwood in India made it so scarce that the government really now strictly controls its production and export. And today, the main producers of sandalwood are still the countries in the Asian continent, but it is also now cultivated in Australia too. The Santalum spicatum variety, which is known as Australian sandalwood, is actually the spicy one. It is quite spicy and it feels almost a bit cinnamony to me. And I actually don't like it. It doesn't feel the same as the regular creamy sandalwood that you would have got in India. But Santalum Ostrocaledonicum, which is a grade that is grown in New Caledonia, is actually quite close to the original Mysore sandalwood. So I would always go for that one instead if you can't get the original Indian sandalwood. Okay, so let's dive into the individual scent profiles of our classic ingredients and understand their roles in the art of using them in perfume compositions. So each ingredient is a character in the story of a fragrance, remember, each playing its own part. Bergamot as a top note gives a fresh, bright opening, but with subtle complexity. It's a light citrusy scent, but tinged with floral and spicy undertones. I also think it has a greenness and a woodiness. It's not as juicy as other citrus notes, such as sweet orange, lemon or grapefruit. 
And it's a bit more sophisticated and I think it makes a perfect introduction to a fragrance, setting a really refreshing tone. Bergamot can be used in citrusy eau de colognes, as I've mentioned before, but it can also serve as a really versatile top note in many different fragrance types. And I have a saying in my classes, if in doubt, just add some more bergamot. It's a really good blending material because it has lots of something called linalol in it which is present in a lot of essential oils, a lot of naturals, including lavender, rosewood, coriander. And that means it bridges the gap with lots of other materials in your fragrance formulation. So bergamot is definitely a must-have on any perfume organ. So rose, with its multifaceted aroma, can range from really sweet and delicate to rich, deep and jammy and velvety. And as with all naturals, the variety of rose and its growing conditions really do influence its scent profile. For example, Rosa Damascena, with its rich and potent aroma, is mostly a popular choice in perfumery for adding luxury and depth. And there are many other types of rose. There is Rosa centifolia. Some of them smell sweeter, more sugary, and others might be quite green and mulchy. And some have a sort of a vegetal undertone too. Again, like anything, especially with naturals, you have to shop around, smell different botanical variations, smell different roses from different countries. Maybe it's a Bulgarian rose, maybe it's Egyptian, maybe it's a Turkish rose, maybe it's Centifolia, maybe it's Damascena. Remember that different suppliers and different batches are really going to vary as well. So if you think, oh, I'm not a fan of rose, Dig a bit deeper and try different roses from different parts of the world and from different suppliers. Eden Botanicals has got a huge range to try and I believe that you can get a sample set of their different rose products as well. One of the issues with materials like rose is that you cannot use a lot of natural rose in an EU or UK compliant fragrance. So when you look at the scent notes on a perfume's website and it says rose, the maximum of natural rose that you're going to be getting in that fragrance is probably around 0.3% of a finished fragrance. So barely anything at all. And that is where the synthetic materials come in. And it's something that I don't have time to spend much time on in this podcast episode because it can get very, very complex. But it is one of the things that I go through in my in-person classes and in the mastermind is that Rose has more than 400 different naturally occurring chemicals. But actually, our brain only needs maybe three or four to process that scent of Rose to make us think, oh, that smells like Rose. So keeping that in mind, when you're creating a fragrance, you don't always need to recreate the wheel and recreate the whole scent of a rose from scratch for your perfume. If you just want a hint, you can get the same effect with just a couple of materials and you can keep your perfume compliant. That is something that I am going to be going through in depth in Materials Mastery. So if you want to learn more about that, um, come and join us. So moving on to Jasmine. Jasmine also has a very complex profile. It's both intensely floral and it's also very animalic, which is what gives it this sensual and rich character. Now, this duality, this sensuality and depth and animalicness, if you like, along with the light floral aspects that are maybe considered a bit more feminine, can make a really versatile middle note and bridge gaps between lighter top notes and deeper base notes in a fragrance. 
In any fragrance in the floral category, you will always find notes of rose and jasmine, as well as muguet or lily of the valley at the heart. And as with rose, there are going to be restrictions on the amount of jasmine grandiflorum that you can use in an EU or UK um, compliant fragrance. Again, countries vary depending on their individual regulations. So if you are creating fragrances to sell, make sure you know what they are. And also you can go back and check my episode on IFRA and fragrance regs too, if you want to dig deeper into that part of it. So two types of jasmine that are used in perfumery, grandiflorum and sandback. So sandback has a very different profile from the regular jasmine absolute, but you can actually use a lot more of it in a fragrance. So Remember, as I said before, these regulations do vary. And this is only if you're selling your perfumes. If you're creating fragrances for yourself, I always say that it is really good to be aware of the regulations and any potential irritation that you could get from certain materials in your fragrances. But these regulations really are for people who are creating to sell. So if you are looking for a traditional jasmine note of Grandiflorum, At the time of recording, you can only use about 0.7% of it in a finished fragrance. That is in category four of IFRA. Other categories have other amounts. And as I said, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and listen to that episode on safety regs. But jasmine, again, like rose, if you see jasmine popping up as a note on the website of a perfume brand, it is never going to be full of natural jasmine. There might be a hint in there, Sometimes not, but generally speaking, it will be synthetic. So I love the richness and depth that naturals give. So I would always put as much of a natural in as I possibly could, because I do think, especially with jasmine, actually, I don't think you get the beauty and depth with just synthetics on their own. And I do think that a wholly synthetic jasmine would be very, very noticeable. Although there are some really great replacers out there from some of the perfume suppliers. So shop around. And if you do want a jasmine replacer, maybe buy a couple of different ones and have a smell of them before you, you know, you decide on the one that you like. And you can always blend those and pair those with some natural jasmine too. So finally, sandalwood. And I feel like I always say this when I talk about a particular material. Oh, this is my favorite. But honestly, if I could pick just one material and I'm putting myself on the line here, one material to take to a desert island, it would be a really good sandalwood oil because I don't think that that is something that I could live without. Who knows? In a zombie apocalypse, I would probably save my sandalwood oil first. As a scent, it is a classic base note. It's rich, it's creamy, it's woody, and it is so long lasting. And if you dip a smelling strip with sandalwood oil, neat sandalwood oil, or even in dilution, it can last for weeks. And this is a little task for those of you newbies listening, maybe. Um, Take some bergamot oil. If you've got some bergamot oil, dip some bergamot oil on a smelling strip and then take another smelling strip and dip some sandalwood and compare how long each of them lasts. And it's really like they're polar opposites of what a top note and a base note would be. So I'm not going to give you any spoilers here if you don't know, but try that as an experiment and um, see how you get on. 
And so sandalwood really does help to act as a fixative and enhance the longevity of any other material that's in your perfume. It blends so well with such a wide variety of different ingredients and that makes it a real staple in your perfumery toolkit. However, as with all naturals, it's really expensive and although it adds longevity, it does lack lift. And these are the two things that you really want in a fragrance. One is lift and one is longevity. So lift comes from the top notes and the diffusive materials and longevity comes generally from the base notes. And when you get lift from a top note that evaporates quickly like bergamot, it does completely disappear. So if you wanted the sandalwood note to run all the way through a fragrance, you're not going to be able to have that using just natural sandalwood alone because sandalwood is such a slow moving molecule. It takes a while to get going. And this is something that I find a lot with my in-person classes, particularly when people add sandalwood to their fragrance formulations and they can't smell it. Some people are anosmic to sandalwood, actually. So they add more and they add more and they add more. And then what you end up with is something that just smells of sandalwood because it's been completely overdosed. I think sandalwood actually is quite an easy material to overdose in a fragrance if you are trying to make something in a very short space of time. You have to really let it sit and you have to let it develop on a smelling strip to really see how the sandalwood flows through the formulation and appears in the fragrance. Otherwise, you think it's not there and you put too much in. And so this is where some of the sandalwood aroma chemicals come in because you can get that sandalwood creaminess, but you can also get this real pervasive diffusion in the top as well. You get that lift, but you also do have to be very careful with the sandalwood aroma chemicals because again, they can dominate, but blending some of the natural sandalwood with some of the synthetic materials will really give you that sandalwood note all the way through your scent. Okay, so we've talked about some of my favorite ingredients and some of the ingredients that I would consider classic components of a perfume. So let's have a quick look at some of the different legendary perfumes that utilize these materials. So understanding their application is going to give you an insight into how they can be used and how you can use them in your formulations as well. So first up, we have got a couple of classics. So Chanel Number no. 5 and Joy by Jean Patou. Chanel number five, the beauty and the genius of it really lies in its balance. So the rich florals are seamlessly blended, giving it this elegance and this timeless aroma that has really lasted for generations. It's going to have rose at its heart, along with jasmine, many, many other materials as well, particularly ylang. And obviously it is paired with the famous aldehydes in the top. And it will also include things like musk and vanilla, but really the heart of Chanel number no. five is built around these beautiful florals like rose and jasmine. Now, Joy by Jean Patou in its time was hailed as the most expensive fragrance ever and reportedly used 10,000 jasmine flowers and 28 dozen roses per bottle. Now, I'm sure that the joy that you find on the market today, if indeed you can, because it has been discontinued in recent years, does not include anywhere near that. Even as an iconic fragrance of the past, it will have been reformulated over the years to fall in line with regulations in recent times. So even if you find a bottle of joy still, you're not going to be finding 
10,000 jasmine flowers or 28 dozen roses in a bottle of joy or in any other fragrance for that matter. It would have been replaced with lots of synthetics as well. So another classic fragrance is Shalimar by Guerlain. Shalimar is a gorgeous, ambery, powdery fragrance that has this classic accord of citrus in the top and powdery vanilla and animalic musky notes in the base. Its opening is really bright and fresh. And this is where the bergamot comes in as a top note. It leads into a floral heart. But really, the beauty of this is in the deep base. And that is where sandalwood comes through as well, along with many other animalic ingredients. This ambery fragrance family really does rely on the combination of the amber accord. So with labdanum and vanilla, along with sandalwood but also with this fresh citrus top note where bergamot is really apparent in this particular fragrance. Another fragrance that showcases bergamot in its top is Le du Temple by Nina Ricci. Another iconic fragrance. It's a real delicate, spicy floral. So it has a carnation heart note, which is anchored with sandalwood in the base. So sandalwood does feature quite a lot in floral fragrances because it's such an easy material for creating almost like a soft landing pad for a lot of other floral notes. And it doesn't interfere too much, but it does add that longevity without being overpowering. So this is really good for those of you who are creating specifically natural perfumes to keep in mind. Sandalwood is a really great base note. Doesn't cause you too much trouble when you're creating lighter florals or citrus accords. And it's also, so going back to Le Temple, it's also a fragrance that was created by perfumer Jean Carles. So I will talk about Jean Carles a bit more in later episodes, but he is a famous perfumer who created something called the Jean Carles method that they use to teach perfumers how to create accords. And it's such a beautiful fragrance and it is built around this this beautiful spicy carnation floral. And actually this carnation floral, again, is used in many other types of fragrance in the amber category. So Opium uh, by Yves Saint Laurent, which is a spicy amber, is also built around this carnation-y type spicy floral note. Another one of my favorite fragrances is the original Eau Sauvage by Dior. So this is like the old school men's cologne Eau Sauvage, not any of the new Sauvages and the flankers, but like the real old school one. And this fragrance really demonstrates the elegance that bergamot can bring to a fragrance composition. And it really makes it a quintessential element, if you like, in men's perfumery. It's this crisp, citrusy opening, almost soapiness that sets the tone of this sort of refined, classic French elegance. And it always reminds me of a time that I was visiting this friend in France many, many years ago. And her father had a bottle of Eau Sauvage in the bathroom. And I think I was working at IFF at the time and I had a quick sniff. And it just gives you that real, for me, it just gives me that real kind of like French gentleman or French farmhousey classic vibe. And the citrus notes in Eau Sauvage are extended with a material called Hedione, which I'm going to be talking about in the next podcast episode. So finally, the last fragrance that I want to mention is another Guerland fragrance. And it's an iconic scent of its own, and that is Samsara. This is a real sandalwoody fragrance, and it has particularly happy memories for me because it reminds me of my aunt, my great auntie Peggy. She always had that on her dressing table and would always ask for it for Christmas. 
And in this particular fragrance, sandalwood is not just a base note, but it's really the central character of the fragrance, giving it a rich, creamy foundation that contrasts with a big heart of jasmine in the center. And originally it would have had lots of natural sandalwood, but now it would use the synthetics too, which creates this lift and harmony with the other jasmine aspects. So in recent years, there's been a noticeable shift towards minimalism in perfumery, a trend of using fewer ingredients, but with greater impact. So rose, for example, is being paired with unexpected notes like pink pepper or oud, giving it a contemporary twist. And these combinations really bring out nuances in rose that might have been overlooked in traditional blends. And jasmine, traditionally used in opulent and heavy fragrances is often now found in also lighter, more airy compositions. This really reflects a change in preference towards subtlety and elegance, even in floral heavy scents. Jasmine's versatility allows it to really adapt beautifully into these modern formulations too. Bergamot obviously has a timeless appeal, but it has found its new expression in unisex fragrances. So gender neutral, fresh, think CK1. And I know that is not a modern fragrance particularly, but it is an iconic one. And modern colognes, if you like. And its versatile nature really does make it a popular choice when creating scents that go beyond the traditional gender boundaries in perfumery. And sandalwood, once a hallmark of classic woody and amber fragrances, is being used in innovative ways to add creaminess and warmth to clean, minimalist, skin-like scents. Its adaptability demonstrates that even the most traditional ingredients can find a place in contemporary fragrance narratives. And I personally love the combination of sandalwood and ambroxan in a scent, even just those two materials on their own. And I'm going to talk a bit more about ambroxan in the next episode. So this ongoing evolution in the use of classic ingredients really is a testament to the creativity and innovation in the world of perfumery. And it reminds us that while the essence of these ingredients remains timeless, their potential in scent creation is limitless and we can twist them and turn them into many, many different forms. Okay, so we've talked about the materials, their unique profiles, and the legendary fragrances that they're used in. So let's, before we close off this episode, look at how these particular materials can be used and how we would blend these materials into our fragrance formulations. Mastering this skill, blending these materials together is essential for anyone looking to create a signature scent. And as I've talked about before, blending is a bit like a musical symphony. Each note has got to harmonize with the other notes in the composition. So with rose, for instance, its floral richness can be balanced with lighter citrus notes or it can be complemented with deeper woody notes. It can also have green facets added, spicy facets added. The key really is to understand the weight and impact of each scent and how they combine in different ratios to avoid overpowering combinations. Jasmine, with its really potent profile, pairs beautifully with softer florals like lavender, maybe some fresh green notes to create some contrast. Its intensity can also be tempered with musky or woody base notes, adding depth and sophistication to the blend. 
Now, bergamot being a top note does require a careful hand and its freshness can be extended with other citruses or materials such as hedione. And that is another material that's used a lot in modern perfumery. And I will talk about that next week as well in the next episode. And it can also be contrasted against spicy or herbal notes for a slightly different opening. And the challenge here is to ensure that its delicate scent doesn't get lost as the fragrance evolves. Again, as I mentioned previously, sandalwood's creamy and warm qualities make it an excellent fixative and help to anchor the lighter notes and extend their longevity. It blends pretty much with almost everything actually from florals to spices you can use it in floral notes you can use it in floral fragrances citrus colognes masculine scents feminine fragrances woody fragrances obviously leathery notes and also deep rich ambers and gourmands it's such a versatile material and gives a beautiful smooth cohesive finish to a perfume So blending is an experimental process. And as I've said many times before, the more you experiment, the more you will understand how these ingredients interact, leading to really improving your proficiency as a perfumer and to creating some really beautiful fragrances. So just to round off this episode, I just want to let you know about the materials mastery program that we are going to be running starting on the 24th of February. I'm going to be running it first off as a live program and then it will be an on demand course. And it's going to be four sessions on a live Zoom call, which will be over two weekends. So a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon. And in that program, we will be delving into the materials that I would suggest that you start off with when you are just starting out in perfumery. So this class is for newbies and it's also for those of you who are feeling like you want to spend a bit more time with your materials. Maybe you haven't found the time to do your regular smelling and creating notes around your fragrances. And maybe you want to have a little bit of accountability. You want to expand your olfactory abilities. And I know what it's like. It's hard to put that time aside to do this regularly. Hence, I want to help you fast track that by doing it over two weekends. So they're going to be three hour sessions, a Saturday afternoon and a Sunday afternoon. And we are going to delve into materials such as florals, citruses, aldehydes, green notes, fruity notes, ambers, resins, woods, musks, you name it. We're going to cover both naturals and we're going to cover synthetics as well. And it will be a lot to pack in. And I will also be putting those recordings of the live classes into a membership portal. So if you are listening to this after the event and you've missed the live round, do not worry. Um, The link in the show notes will be to the recording that you can sign up for. And if you are listening to this before the 24th of Feb, come and join us live and make sure you click the link in the show notes and come and grab a place on that before we get started on the 24th. So I hope to see you there. And thank you always for listening to this episode. In the next part, part two of this materials focus, I'm going to be talking about some of the most iconic modern perfumery materials that are the synthetics and some of them I've mentioned here today. So make sure you tune in next week and I will see you then.